Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 62 of After the Checkers with Kyle Hall. As always, I am Kyle Hall, and we have a, a, a really fun guest. Um, in every industry that I've ever worked in, there's a company that builds the cool stuff, whether it's tools or just the, man, it'd be cool if it did that kind of a thing. And, and this guy right here, Chad Weirs, uh, owns the company Weir's Machine. Everyone has seen the sticker. Everyone kind of, I think, knows the product a little bit. Uh, certainly, if you're an upper echelon driver in in whatever sanctioning body you are, you know this guy's stuff. And so uh, I'm excited to have you on there. I'm I'm doing a builder series uh, over the over the winter. I'm here. All of the episodes are not all of them, but a, a majority of the episodes are going to be about what it takes to build a race car in. I would say you pretty much can't build a race car without your stuff, Chad. So welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time out to uh, to be on the show and tell us a little bit about your stuff. Yeah, it's great to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, be fun. I mean, yeah I, I'm excited for, about it too. Everyone, it, you kind of reach out when when you, you have a, a little brainstorm of an idea and I reached out to a couple of guys that I'm buddies with and I'm like, if you were doing a builder series, like all of the stuff, that goes into building a race car, who would you talk to? And without fail, every one of them said you. And so, uh, so that's why you're on my show is you and I have never met. We've never talked until three minutes ago. Uh, yeah. and so I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to get to know you a little bit and, and kind of introduce you to the, to the people that may not know you. So, um, so tell us, tell us about Weir's machine. Like what is, what is Weir's machine and, and how did you get started in that, that kind of a thing? So uh, I grew up in a, a business-oriented family. My my parents had a Chevrolet garage, and then we also had uh, two racetracks. So when I was born, uh, they had a, two asphalt tracks. So I started out uh, when I was about six or seven years old, popping popcorn and picking up trash and working at the racetracks. Nice. So I was kind of born into the industry. Uh, and then which, uh, which tracks, Chad? The Dells Motor Speedway in Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin, and uh, La Crosse uh, Interstate Speedway here, right by our house in West Salem here. Okay. So those are, those are a long ways from each other. Uh, it's an hour away. Yeah. 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 That yeah, seems so. like a long ways to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, yeah. uh, it was good. I grew up basically in the prime of the, the asphalt uh, short track racing there with, you know, like Jim Sauter and and uh dick trickle and dave marcus i was just and, gonna say dick trickle is like like that's your backyard right there is i would imagine he was there all of the time yeah so uh it was it was a fun time to, to grow up and watch them guys and you know obviously they moved a lot of them moved on to nascar and some of my sure. friends moved car. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how i got my love of the industry and you know, my dad was a Chevy dealer from, uh, my family was a Chevy dealer from 1935 to 2018. Wow. So when I did, I was working in the, in the, you know, I started out working in the body shop and that's where I picked up a welder when I was about 11 years old, I think, just started tinkering with the stuff and working on the cars with, with the guys in the body shop. Yeah. And I, in the corner of the shop, there was a 1912 Logan lathe. I didn't really know what it was. It kind of looked like a drill. Uh, so I turned that baby on and it started spinning and, and the rest was history. So I started whittling out uh, things, you know, on that little lathe and, and fabricating parts out of metal. And when we got out of the, the promotion side of the racing deal, uh, I started working on a, an asphalt team with my older brother and tinkering with the parts and 
you know, there was a few things that I felt I could do better and some of the availability wasn't there. And back then you built a lot of your own stuff. And, right. and uh, so, uh, you know, basically 1997, I, I uh, graduated college as a machinist slash fabricator and took the $28,000 that I saved up popcorn and picking up trash and bought a couple machines and started whittling out parts and and uh i guess the rest is history it'll be this is we're, this is our 25th year now so yeah that's awesome pretty pretty wild what it's turned into yeah no kidding like that is that's like the american dream story right there that's pretty cool i like that so and so did you i never heard did you do you drive or did you ever drive Nope. Uh, so I, my brother and I, my younger brother, we kind of, we grew up together and he was always the driver and I was always the guy that fixed it. Okay. So once, once we evolved to the age where, you know, I was working on a team with my brother and then my other brother decided to start racing. So, uh, I was fixing his stuff and that's, he was the, the test dummy for a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the parts to see, uh, you know, if it would work or, or not. And, but that's how we learned how to how to make good parts that didn't fail. And and uh, when we had our own teams for, we had our own race team for 24 years, I think. So uh, we got out of that side of it in 2012, and that's when I started really pounding the pavement and and getting out to the racetracks and passing out catalogs and meeting yeah. so many great people all over the country. And so is that was that asphalt your your the team that you guys had, or was it dirt? both asphalt and dirt. So we had a, an asphalt team that, that ran all over Wisconsin. And then um, my brother started on asphalt and then we were racing go-karts on the dirt. So we kind of loved, we loved everything. And then yeah. uh, he decided racing, man. we wanted to go dirt racing. So he had a dirt car. We had an asphalt team. So we had dirt and asphalt teams at the same time. So that's pretty cool. That, it was kind of pretty cool. We had, you know, like I said, we love all racing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I asked that question on here. A lot of my guests of, of, you know what it, it do you just like racing or do you like dirt track racing because it primarily this is a dirt track show and uh man I, I i'll find myself watching chainsaw racing and like like just sailboats and like if there's competition i just love watching it and and being a part of it kind of a thing so it's uh it's racing's racing and it's so much fun every aspect now dirt is kind of where my heart is and where my passion is but but uh, asphalt, like I've been to, I've never been to either one of those tracks, but I've been to Madison Speedway over uh, like the Madison International Speedway. And yeah. that, is, that is super fun to watch. Uh, and then Elko here in Minnesota, like the asphalt tracks are super fun to watch, but it's, it isn't dirt, man. Like that, their dirt is just way better, I think. So, um, but, so you, you touched on kind of kind of the one question that I had there is and I started off the show like this in in every industry that I've ever been a part of I used to be part of the motorcycle industry I worked for a big major distributor and there was a company called Motion Pro that I makes me think when I when I look at your website and the things that you build Motion Pro is that company in the in the motorcycle world where it's these cool little tools that like it's not even really a tool. It's like a little piece of art that, that like just makes doing that pain in the ass job a little easier and, and that kind of a thing. And then these cool trick parts and like lighter, faster, less friction, easier to change, 
easier to manufacture, available, all of those kinds of things. Is that is that kind of your thought process in in coming up with new stuff? Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what drives me. Uh, you know, we try to be the most innovative company, and and exactly like you said, whether it's a a part to help a crew chief win a race or a tool to make that mechanics job easier or, you know, just whatever, it, whatever it might be, or just a little trinket, you know, like the cell phone holder, you know, simple, something like that. So yeah. we, we, you know, we, we get a lot of requests for, for different products and we try to look at the stuff that we feel is innovative and, you know, we don't, I mean, anybody can make a weight clamp. We make weight clamps, but you know, at the end of the day, we're looking for, for the innovations, you know, like, uh, we just came out with, I'm on the set of Bob and Chad, but I don't have one. I, well, this is a new product, but you know, this is one of our new products for, for next year, which is just a little, uh, adapter for like a body strap. So this, oh, you, can, sure. you can screw that into a hood pin and then it shortens up your spring steels. So just little, little trinket innovations like that and different tools and stuff, you know, that's a, that's what drives us. And we have so many great crew chiefs, car builders, engine builders, drivers that, you know, they bring us an idea and we try to give them credit for it. You know, there's, I think we're, we're up to 89 originals that are, that weren't in the racing industry that, that came right out of this company. And, that and that's yeah. most proud of those. And so you, it brings up another question that I have written down on my notes up there is where, where did the ideas come from? Is it, is it, out of Chad's head or your team? Like how many guys do you have working for you? Uh, we have 40 employees. Yeah. Man, it seems like a company you're like, it seems like you should have 500 working for 40 people. <laughs> yeah. 40. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and so is it, is it from that team of people that most of the ideas come from, or is it like you said, is it drivers and crew chiefs and the mechanics out at the track that are thinking, this sucks. Like we need to call Chad and figure out a way to do this kind of thing. Is that where most of it comes from or how does that work? It's all the above, you know, some of the, some of the products are, are my creations and we have a couple of race car drivers that, that work for us. And, you know, a couple of them guys have come up with them. So, but like I said, a, a chassis builder will say, Hey, I, I want to, I want a hole here on my pinion mount, or I want to be able to go to this dimension or, you know, it's, it's just, it con it's a constant evolution, but it's also a, a huge group of people that, that believe in the common goal. And that's, I mean, we want to win, we want to win, win races and we want to have cool stuff and, and have the best products in the industry. And I think that's why a lot of people come to us. I paging through before we started the interview here, kind of doing a little research, paging through your, your website, which is, is your website is laid out perfectly, by the way, it's like easy to understand. And like, if you're looking for a specific thing, you click on the picture of it. It is so nice. Um, yeah. But it's there. It's a little bit of racetrack porn kind of a, like it, it is some beautiful stuff like that. Is it anodized? Is it, it's, I would assume that most of it's aluminum, right? So the aluminum is, is anodized black and the yeah. steel is black zinc. Oh, it is. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah. Uh oh, there you go. There you're back. I, I had to shut. That's my alarm to go pick my kid up. So. <laughs> well, we'll be quick. I promise you. And so, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a. It is just beautiful stuff. Not only, I mean, super functional, obviously, and and I would imagine makes the job easier to do, or makes the car lighter, easier to, quicker to adjust. 
all of those. And there's so many things. That's the like on the left side of your your web page, like you scroll like three times with the mouse, and it's the list of products are still going kind of a thing. And so you just said 89 different original things. Yeah. Plus, I'm sure you manufacture stuff that everybody manufactures. Yeah, I think all together uh, with all the part numbers, I think we're around 1,500 different items that we manufacture. Wow. But like some of them have 10 different sizes or whatever, you know, like a hood pin. We're up to, I don't know how many different hood pin options. There's probably 25 or 30 different part numbers. Who would have thought there could be that many hood pin options, huh? (laughs) Oh my God. That's that's the crazy part is this chassis builder will be like, well, I need it for a one inch tube and I want to be six inches tall. It's like, how's five inches? You know, yeah, so exactly. It's make you a, always make an indent in your hood and then put a pin in the bottom. But always um, trying to meet the expectation. Yeah, everyone's got a, a different need or want or or if and if there's legitimacy to it, I'm sure you try to try to meet that demand. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So how much actual like if if a if a driver brings you an idea is is that driver testing that product out for you or do you like you said you have a couple guys that drive like how where does the development and the oop that didn't work we need to change this where does that happen at yeah i mean we don't have our own team now and that's where we used to do it but we'd still have our core group of of factory pilots we call them that yeah so they'll get the first one or usually the whoever brings us the the idea or the inventor we take care of them and and get them the first one and and they can play with it and test it and whatnot and uh but we got a good group of of drivers whether it's dirt or asphalt to test the products for us for sure yeah that you just brought something up like i have a like my questions are just rolling in my head so you said dirt and asphalt. How big is your reach? Are you are you a global company or is it nationwide? Are you kind of a, a regional? Like how how big is Weir's machine and racing products? I mean, you can say globally. There's there's racing in Australia and New Zealand. We ship quite a few parts over there, and and obviously our friends to the north in Canada and sure some stuff to Mexico, and and we have a few things in Europe. So. Uh, but obviously the core group of the, of the short track market is in the United States. So right. that's our, market. and you're, are, you're all over like all, like everywhere in the U S obviously. Right. Yeah. Everywhere yeah. there's. So that sort of brings me to the next question is how much sanctioning body involvement do you get in? Because I would imagine every now and then you're building something that that is right on the the edge of should this be legal or should this not be legal kind of a thing because you're innovating. That's what, that's how you, the rules change and get better is how much sanctioning body involvement is there pre-production? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was a crew chief for 24 years, so you're always trying to invent that. Innovate. Yeah. And on that gray, gray line all the time, but uh, I mean, I, I try to be open with the sanctioning bodies. Some of them, you know, some of them want to talk to you and listen to your ideas and, and understand and work with you. And some of them really just do their own thing and don't care. So uh, we, we tend to work with the ones that are more open and work with us and understand that, that, you know, I mean, I don't blatantly try to cheat. We try to make parts that make the job easier, the car go faster and, and, you know, we don't do anything that's completely obvious, like right. traction. So, I mean, we, we, we're, we're pretty straight shooters here. Yeah, no. And you have to be like, I, 
that subject comes up on the show from time to time as well about a manufacturer, an engine builder, like an engine builder can't make something illegal ever, never, ever. Because if, if like, we're a pretty tight community and if, if an engine gets tore down and it's illegal and it's obvious that that was built illegal and it didn't become illegal later on kind of a thing, that engine builder's out of business. Like no one's buying that guy's stuff anymore. So you can't openly build a cheap thing, whether it's products that you're building or whatever kind of a thing. So um, it, it's, it's interesting you say that some some sanctioning bodies are pretty open and, and like, yeah, let's figure this out. Let's make it better and easier and cheaper for the racer. And some are like, nope, here's our rules and don't don't bother us kind of a thing. That's, And I would imagine you work with every, san- I mean, every sanctioning body is involved with your products, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we could go on for hours of things that I think should be done that aren't done, but that's not my place. No, exactly. Yeah. So Make as, parts. as every racer could go on for hours about the things the sanctioning body is doing wrong. So, um, uh, or wishes they would change to make easier and better and faster and, and cheaper. So I have uh, to remember, you have to remember I was on the other side of it. We, we operated racetracks for 19 years. So I understand both sides of the, of the spectrum. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a credit to you that, that that is how you got you. Like you can be empathetic to both sides. You, the racer wants to do this and this and this, but the track has to, and the sanctioning body has to do this, this, and this to keep it fair and a level playing field for everybody. So Otherwise it would just be checkbook racing. Like it would, I mean, if, if there was no rules, then it would just be checkbook racing and there's enough of that already. So yeah, fun, fun stuff. So, okay. So if there's, if there's one thing that you're most proud of that has your name on it, what is that? Um, man, I don't know. There's, like I said, there's 89 originals. I don't know which one of them is my is your favorite uh, kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess I put on the spot like that. I don't know. I'm looking at my displays here trying yeah. to figure out which one. I don't know. I, I love them all. I mean, you know, I, I think we were the first one with a completely modular suspension cage, you know, where the plates bolt on Yep. and, and have the give the racer the repairability you know we we really focused on not having a cage that was welded together and a throwaway if you got into a crash so you could replace a plate or a shock mount or things like that but you know like i said there i'm i'm proud of them 80 80 some originals 89 i think we're at that's awesome so that's a very great answer because then then there's not like oh this is my favorite like all of your parts still love you equally Amen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I know we're short on time here, Chad, and I appreciate it. So we'll move on to the next segment. The next segment is called the Demon Decals uh, Rapid Fire Questions. And it's five questions sponsored by Demon Decals, which is a, a graphics company out of Nebraska. They just do phenomenal stuff. Uh, Damon Richards, look him up on Facebook. He's got a great website um, and he can get you set up with your with the graphics on your car. So, um, or a whole bunch of other stuff too that he does. But um, so they're, they're odd sort of weird left field questions here. First one is what is a group of bears called? Uh, a group of bears. 
I know. Crazy question, right? It's not a pack, is it? It is not. I thought it was going to be called a den, like a den of bears, because it's a bear's den. Uh, It's actually called a sloth. I would have never got that. I I would have guessed a thousand times and never got that right. So, uh, yeah, group of bears is called a sloth. Um, I have a my property then because I have I have bears on my on my hunting properties. So. Oh, nice. Well, perfect. Now now you know what when they're a group of them together, they're called a sloth. Um, what city and state is Fairbury Speedway in? Fairbury, Illinois. There you go. Exactly. I thought I throw a curveball at you. And th- throw the name right in there but that's you're perfect there is no more of an electric atmosphere in the industry possibly well i don't know if you've ever been to the st louis race inside the dome no no but it's man oh man is it on the bucket list that and fairbury are like but when you go to fairbury speedway it's it's got to be on your bucket list it's unbelievable the atmosphere and you're like right on top of the cars and it's just it's intense it's the coolest one of the cool anyway yeah no that it's that's the kind of stuff i love man and so uh which is worse in a dessert raisins or nuts i can't eat nuts so so nuts it is yeah (laughs) that is the correct answer um i i like raisins and things like chocolate and raisins okay i like nuts and i like chocolate and brownies and all of those kinds of things but when you put them together i just i there it's just wrong i don't like it but um strangest thing that you have ever eaten um hmm. Damn. tough question i'm kind of a meat and potatoes guy i don't eat, i don't venture out into weird things don't get weird no octopus or uh, like got drunk in a Wisconsin bar and, and said, Hey, let's, let's uh, eat this pig snout. They said alligator at this one restaurant once, but I'm pretty sure it was a chicken strip. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our alligator. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. Alligator. That's a good answer. Um, and then what pisses off Chad Weir's like, now instantly what makes you mad when we help a racer out with a discount and they do not run the decal fair that's fair enough man i am all about the contingency and the credit where credit is due uh i that is i can see where that so it's it's tougher to it's tougher to entertain that guy's ask for a discount the second time isn't it they generally don't get one again yeah nope yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't so, okay, so that is the uh, the rapid, the demon decals, rapid fire questions, five quick questions. Uh, last segment here, and this is, it's called the uh, Rascal Aluminum, another sponsor of the show, Rascal Aluminum. You get all your your uh, aluminum stuff, you know, all the, your, your roof and your sides and your deck and everything you need, aluminum uh, sheeting, uh, that is. I don't think they sell blocks of aluminum for you to whittle stuff out of, but uh, uh, if you need aluminum for your car, give them a holler. You can find them on Facebook as well. So this is called the Rascal Aluminum Pay It Forward question. It's where my last guest asks you a question, Chad, and then you get the opportunity to ask my next guest a question. So uh, the question for you comes from a guy that I think you know pretty damn well. His name's Dan Ebert. You ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's on his way to New Mexico as we speak right now. So 
Um, yeah. His question for you is maybe the question that every manufacturer, every person buying something at this moment in time right now has is how bad is the price increase going to be when buying Weir's machine products in 2022 because of the global crap that's going on? Um, well, I mean, we, we did have to raise some prices. It has been, uh, it has been a very, I don't know. It's been a very interesting year, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Challenging to say the least. It's also kind of scary. I mean, our material suppliers are like, Hey, you need to figure out what you need for June. And we're like, what do you mean? June of next year? They're like, yeah, June of next year. So it's been a, it's been a struggle for us trying to make sure we have the material coming in. And then when we buy the material and we bring, when we have our catalog come out, like it's at the printer right now. So we, we print our prices in there, which right. You people told me not to put prices in there and then you can raise them whenever you have material increase. Well, to me, I think the, the end user wants to see the price. So it has been a, a very interesting year. Some of the products that we manufacture, the materials went up a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Something cost you five bucks in material and now it costs you 10 and you know, you're only making 30% on it. Right. You, you have to raise prices to, to stand. I've always, you know, like I said earlier, we've had our own race team for 24 years. So uh, I definitely understand the cost of, of what it takes to win races. And, you know, we try to produce our products as uh, cost effective as we can and, and make them in America, obviously. Right. Be a, I could be a manufacturer and ship every single print uh, offshore. And I would probably make, you know, twice as much money. I will never do that. Uh, I get emails every day from from Asia about um, making your part cheap, and sure. I don't do so. Uh, kind of got on a tangent there, but the prices. Oh, have that's gone a up. great tangent. Yeah, prices have gone up. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, we've we've aided on quite a few of them, and when you're talking about material price of a dollar and it goes up two percent, you know, it's not something you really need to freak out about, but it's caused the whole, basically you're watching it every time you order stuff. And, and unfortunately some of the stuff has gone up considerably, you know, uh, but you know, it is what it is. I, I don't understand some of the price gouging that goes on. I mean, they have surplus charge for this and a surcharge for that. And it's like, seriously, just, you can't just create these charges out of thin air just because there's some sort of a pandemic going on right I mean, yeah nope i agree with you that's the kind of stuff that maybe we should have went back to that pisses you off question again but <laughs> if you get going here and we'll be we'll be going for a long time but yeah uh yeah the price increase is difficult there's nothing that's like really crazy so it was like a couple bucks here and 50 cents here and you know it wasn't like we raised the price of something dramatically so Yep. So you're, you're being fair about it. I like it. I think everyone understands that guy, you have to make money. Like you, you can't, you can't do your job for free and pay your 40 guys and stay in business. It just, that's not how it works. And, and so I think everyone expects, if you've bought anything in the last 18 months, it costs more now than it did 18 months ago, everything. 
And, uh, uh, and some stuff, like you said, the cost of steel and aluminum and all of those raw materials, that, that stuff has gone up a hundred percent. I'm in the, in a, in an industry, uh, you know, I sell heavy equipment, tractors and that sort of stuff. Trailers, uh, if it, if it was a $16,000 trailer last year, it's a $32,000 trailer now, and it's the same exact trailer. And so it's, it's crazy to think that stuff can can explode that fast, but it has. And so, yeah, tough, tough, tough times right now, but we'll, it's America. So we'll get through it, man. That's just what we do. So, yeah. Okay. So the pay it forward part of it is you get to ask my next guest a question. Um, and there's a, a rising star in the Wasota dirt track world. She's not even from the United States. Her name is Victoria Stuckey, I think is I'm going to Stutsky. Is, her, is how our, I think her last name is, is said. So um, from up in Winnipeg, uh, Canadian driver, that is uh, the little bit that her and I have chatted about being on the show, very much wants to get down to the United States and, and race down here a little bit. Uh, that is another thing that maybe pisses people off is you can't go across that border anymore, at least not easily. And so um, so what would your question for uh, BMOD driver, Victoria Stutsky be? Boy, the pressure. I don't know. I know. That's, this is crazy, isn't it? Could have gave me like a heads up on that one. I could have thought about it. <laughs> That's the whole idea. Nobody gets the heads up on this question. But the questions are always amazing. So um, I guess I would. How old is she? Uh, I think Victoria's probably 22, 23 years old, something like that. Real young. Yeah. And a B mod, Wasota B mod. Wasota B mod. Yep. Um, man. Hmm. She wants to come down here and race. This, this, I'll give you another aspect of it is her family just took over a uh, promotion of a racetrack. Uh, I think it's called victory lane uh, speedway or raceway up in Canada. They, they just took over promotion of that racetrack. So now she's got to balance the same thing I did. Yeah. Promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole, your whole childhood, you could maybe give her some advice. I guess I don't know much about her, so I would I would ask the question of where she got her start and what was the first thing that she raced in. Okay, perfect. Probably going to ask her that. That steals my thunder, there, Chad. <laughs> we'll we'll make it. We'll work it in, though. How'd you get started? Easy enough. Started. Perfect. Awesome. Well, man, I know you got to. Uh, I promise you, you could go get your kid in time here. Hopefully, you're not driving too far and the roads aren't too bad over there in Wisconsin, but I, I very, very much appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. And, uh, I'm super confident we'll run into each other. And I have a new, a new track on my bucket list is, is Fairbury raceway in Illinois. Yeah, that, uh, that for sure. And if you haven't been to that dome race in St. Louis, that's, it's pretty electric in there also. So I, yeah. uh, I very, very much feel super jealous of everyone that was there this year to see Wasota's, you know, like I'm obviously in the heart of Wasotaville and, uh, and our, our national champion went down there and whooped up on everybody. And I wasn't there. I watched it, but I wasn't there. And I would imagine it was quite the party with the, with the group of guys that were there. So. I don't know if anybody else realized how cool it was, but it was about halfway through that feature. And I looked at my buddy and I said, do you realize that you have the UMP national champion? the Wasota national champion and the IMCA national champion fighting for the win in this thing right now. Yeah. I mean, that was big. That was such a cool race. And it was, it was 
a good race. It wasn't, it wasn't decided by something stupid. It wasn't like it. I, I, I love the fact that there was late cautions in it and that it was just an open track and it wasn't a lapper that somebody used as a pick to get by it. You know, it was just a freaking race. And it, it, the fact that Tyler won the dang thing was awesome. Uh, I had just interviewed him like literally the week before he went. And, and the last thing we said was, man, if you win that deal, we'll have you back on the show sort of as a throwaway, because are you, I mean, there's, what's the chances of you winning that race, you know? And, um, uh, and then he went out and went it. And so we had him back onto the show. We lost Chad. So anyways, thank you very much, Chad. We'll cut the show off right there. And we'll, uh, we'll be back later on with another guest, Victoria Stutsky. Thank you very much.